Hey, this is Matt Miller. You listen to me on the Tape Podcast with Paul Sweeney. I've got a new podcast with my friend Hannah Elliott. She's the car reviewer from Bloomberg Pursuits. We call it Hot Pursuit. I'm going to drop a little sample from the Hot Pursuit podcast here. Take a listen. If you like it, go to the Hot Pursuit page and subscribe. You can find it on Apple, on Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Hannah Elliott. And this is Hot Pursuit. All right, today on the show, the headline story is going to be the Porsche 911 ST that Anna drove last week. So she's going to tell us all about it. We're also going to talk about the Tesla recalls, which I think are fascinating for a couple of reasons. I, ne- I normally think recalls get too much attention, yeah. <laughs> but this one I think is really interesting. And because it's kind of Tesla they made the Cybertruck. It ties into the Lightning story. The Ford Lightning story, I think, is fascinating. So we're going to talk about that uh, with the Tesla story. And finally, we're going to talk about the seeming slowdown of EV demand is told through the Geely story that a great uh, writer for us in Berlin uh, wrote an opinion piece about. Uh, Chris Bryant is always on top of these uh, car stories for opinion from a financial perspective. And also, Geely has built this massive empire that I didn't some of them I didn't even know about. I know. It's it's really interesting. So a Chinese a Chinese billionaire owns uh, at least one brand that you probably want cuz he has so many. So, let's kick it off with the 911 story though, Hannah. Yeah, here's the top note. Here's the headline. How many different 911s are there by the way? There are currently 26 for there are 26 versions of the 992, the current uh, mo- current generation. Just so many levels of and trim. It's insane. I know. It's really difficult to keep straight. There are 26 for sale, and there are a couple others that are not currently available, but also in the same generation. So it's quite a lot. And I, it is like, you know, I we've spoken about the ST. Obviously, I was a little bit skeptical. Like, do we really need another one? It's not even based on a real car that existed. But, but it still is at the top. It's, it's like the upper the echelon of this, 911s. Yes, this is the $300, $292,000 911. Um, it's extremely lightweight. And really, here's what you need to know. I loved it. And I was skeptical um, because of all the reasons we're discussing. Like, we don't need another one. It's going to be just like all the rest. Why do you need another this and then that? I loved it. It was so fun. I mean, uh, even if we don't need something, it, yes. Even if we don't need this 911, but it's one <laughs> of the best 911s Porsche has ever built. I'm going to yes. guess after you drive it, you're going to love it. Yes, but I can say this too. I've driven, you know, most of the variants. I haven't driven all 26 of them, but you know, if you compare it to a GT3 or like a 992 Turbo S, I would say still that I would prefer this at least over the GT3 and even the GT3 Touring. And there are a couple reasons for that. Um, The thing that I think anyone who gets in the car will notice right away is that it's a manual, obviously, but it's got a super short throw on the shifter. So it's six gears, super short, super quick, super punchy. Um, It just feels a lot more engaging when you drive it if that's what you want but not it's not so raw that it feels like a track car this is not a track car it doesn't come with a roll cage it, it's like it, a sweet spot that's what that's the thing yeah. it is the sweet spot because i do think the GT3 it's honestly best left 
on the track. I think I will. I don't want to drive a GT3 every day all day. It's just like it's just a lot. Even a touring, I wouldn't want to. Right, exactly. But the the ST really, um, it feels analog, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it. You feel that you're engaged with the car. It's a little bit louder than a GT3. I actually was in a, a lead car for a moment that was a GT3 and then got back in the ST and it was noticeable right away that the ST is a louder car. By the way, that's that's what you want. That's yes. what the that's what the weekend warrior wants. Exactly. Um, and on a track, a lot of times there are there are uh, noise limits. Exactly, so exactly. I know for motorcycles on a track, people have to put in um, noise DB killers. Yeah. And but on the street, if I'm riding through Westchester, I want it to be as loud as I can. I can. Yeah, and and I don't even think that was on purpose. That's a byproduct of the fact that they really did to try to lighten it up quite a bit. Even they took they put in special lightweight carpet that saved four pounds. And you know, obviously, carpeting helps muffle sound. So some of just a natural. Uh, I see. Yeah, result yeah. of making the car lighter. There's no uh, sound deadening material. There, exactly. I mean, there's exactly. not in the GT3 either, but they they probably have purposely made the exhaust quieter to meet re- noise restrictions. Whereas with this, they have right. high flow cats and probably like basically straight pipes on. Yeah, it. and man, I was in that car for like eight. Hours. It was a very long day of. Um, we started in Napa and then drove through the wed- redwoods up the coast, up the 101. Um, ended up in Mendocino. So there were, and it was uh, partially rainy. That we saw sun. So there was a good variety of of terrain in a way. I do think, and we were even on the interstate for a while too. I do think it's sometimes when you are on a straight interstate. You almost want a seventh gear. It's really fun on curvy, windy roads. You end up shifting through the gears really quickly. Yep. Um, if you don't like that, if you kind of prefer a longer gear, this is not the car for you. This is one that you're going to be going up and down a lot. It, if you're just going to be driving on interstate most of the time, you're going to want a seventh gear, and this car doesn't have it. So, you True know, of the GT3 as well. The funny thing is, in my career, I had a 991-1S, and I always felt like, why do I have a seventh gear? I don't need yeah. this. But then yeah. my buddy, I would always drive his GT3 Touring and I would be like, you need a seven. Yeah. Here. Well, that's <laughs> that's where you really feel it. I mean, it kind of dep- depends on what kind of driving you want to do. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting was the fact that it comes with a watch. I know you're a watch guy. This is the accompanying $13,000 Porsche design watch that goes with the car that you cannot get unless you also take Sweet. the car. Now, to me... The watch is very cheesy, but I. A lot of people don't like Porsche design. It's pretty specific. Right. It's, it's very specific. Very German. It reminds me of the Sprockets um, skit on SNL that they used to do. Sprockets. Yes. Touch not, my monkey. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that one. I must say, I, might, <laughs> I must not have been born yet. That's possible. But, yeah. Um, the the thing is, I've heard some you know rumblings that dealers are saying, well, you can't get an allocation unless you commit to also buy the watch. I don't know if that's true. Weird. Yeah, it, it, or just you know some pressure or leaning on people to to take the watch too. Um, that's strange. E- yeah, I mean, it which would kind of feel like an upsell a right, bit, right? Um, but I have to say, uh, it's such a fun car. I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, how it looks. It really does, you know, there's a channeled roof on it. Um, there is a gurney flap on the end, but it's real small. I do like that it doesn't have a huge spoiler. Um, the air intake on the front and side it looks um, specific and unique, but not flashy. 
which I thought was really cool. I was in um, the Ruby Stone or Ruby Star, depending on how you want to say it, red, um, oh, which is God. a super cool color. I do not like that color. Really? Oh. I had the, the Carrera T in that color. That car, just that color alone, if you try to resell it, it pushes the value up. It's like I've a like, Barbie, a little bit slightly darker it's Barbie a raspberry. pink. It's a raspberry yeah. pink I, and a pinstripe interior, which sounds really bad on paper, but it, it did look kind of cool. Um, but do you I know what it, it, do you know what it is? Part of this, I think, is that um, I was just at lunch with the guys who run Mecham Auctions, and they do obviously they're doing a massive event in Kiss Kissimmee at the beginning of January, forty five hundred cars, and a lot of it's American Muscle, right? Mm -hmm. They do have some Ferraris, but uh, it's mostly American Muscle. And I asked them about you know recent model cars that sell well, and. Uh, and also resto mods that do well. And mm -hmm. obviously something like a Ford GT is going to sell well. And they said like a singer, mm -hmm. a singer will just off the charts, right? Yeah, it's unbelievable. And they sell and, for and more it, than and they... And Porsche is leaving yeah. so much money on the table, which is mm -hmm. why they have to do like the 911R or the ST, because this is, mm -hmm. they're doing singer before singer gets a hold of it, kind of. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I know that they do watch singer very closely and have observed that exact effect. Um, which reminds me of, you know, the special heritage livery with the number 63 on the side. Which, Why is that 63? So that was the first year of the 911. Of course, they're going to make 1963 of them. But my point with this package is it that alone is a $20,000 upgrade as well. So to your point, Matt, they're just, you know, Porsche is offering more and more options to make the cars super specific to yourself and spend more money. By the way, uh, Lamborghini... Also uses the 63 mm -hmm. on some year. of their special uh, liveries, and that's because it was um, the year they showed their first sports car. So you I know. mean, glory days. Yeah, right. I guess 63 was a good year. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, there's going to be a 63 Ferrari at the Kissimmee auction Ferris Bueller car that's going to okay. go for 16 to 18. There's a 67 uh, 275 Spider that's going to go for they think 25 or more, and there's a 64 275 GTB that they think will go for more than 35. Where uh, are they expecting these buyers to come from? Because uh, let's be honest, Mecham auctions are not known for their Ferrari sales. They do volume right, right. American. They will have 10 Ferraris that they say are worth over 100 million. Dollars, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, just the they say, but I don't know where the you know. I guess if you want this kind of Ferrari, um, you don't really care as much who's selling it, right? I think I you mean, do. If you're uh, in the market for this, don't yeah. you? You know who it's coming from. So, like, say you're, I don't know, David Lee, and you know that Jay Leno is selling his Ferrari. You're gonna go buy it from him, whether he does it through bottoms or true Barrett but Jackson but or? this but i think very significantly this isn't jay leno's ferrari i no, don't I, I think I, what i mean what i mean is you know that caliber of ferrari would not be sold at a mecham auction and and this is not a mark against mecham at all i just think um in general and i and i'm not familiar with the ferrari, cars that they told you to yeah if you do have that if you do have really that caliber of ferrari you would probably tend to go to Sotheby's or Gooding. They know that too. Yeah, I, I think, it's not a knock on them at all. No, People I, have specialties. Well, I think they might be trying Reaching. to move into that area mm -hmm, because mm -hmm, they're so mm -hmm. focused. Uh, they will be so focused on the Ferraris. Anyway, mm -hmm. I don't want to get too drawn away from the ST. I think it's so cool that they're making this, which most people aren't going to be able to afford it. Even mm -hmm. people who can go pick up a 911 mm -hmm. aren't going to be able to really afford or make financial sense of the ST. But you have mm -hmm. to have something in that price uh, area because singers are only a couple hundred grand more, right? Yes. And then 
um, it's even cooler and even more exclusive. My favorite of all of the different, I guess, trim levels would be because I live here in New York and I don't know how the roads are in LA, but they're bad here. They're really bad in um, LA too. The Dakar, I think, is so yeah. great, but I just wish instead of the turbocharged three liter, they would put the same motor that they yeah. use in the GT3 or in this. And I don't know why. Maybe it's. You know what? This is another thing I wanted to say about the ST. This four liter engine is the same one that they've had for over a decade that they've used. And, you know, every year they're getting incremental bits more power out of it, you know, 5% here and there. But how much, I, how much does the ST. Five, I think it's 518. Ah. But I do wonder. Um, is this sort of the topping out of what they can do on that particular Good four point. liter, especially with emissions? Because this, you know, I, I don't see big jumps in what they're getting out of that power plant in general, but the engine specifically. Um, so it, that was something they do I was make, thinking. They do tend to make, like at the end of a generation of mm -hmm. cars, they'll mm -hmm. make like the, the crowning glory. Exactly. Yes. This feels a little bit like that. That's which, interesting. Which, yeah. And then that now makes me think, you know, we've talked a little bit about what is the car market going to be for internal combustion cars if at some point you can't really buy them new? Mm. Does that... Does that make them valuable? And yet again, this plays into your whole plan with some of the cars that you want to get. Right. Um, like the BMW. Right. I want to get the last V12 they made, the exactly. M760. I'm, by the way, my wife is like on board again. Oh, great. Okay. So, Thank God. Uh, I think I'm moving <laughs> in that direction. Okay. What and a th relief. And that's one that's like my Dodge Challenger with a 6.4 liter V8. That's going to be very uh, much not made anymore. But... <laughs> They sell 50,000 of those a year. I don't yeah. think it's going to appreciate it's, in value. No, probably not. But the 12-cylinder BMW, maybe, because yeah. they, don't, they don't make that many of them. On the other hand, I've looked back at previous generations of the 7 Series, the V12s, and you can pick them up for like ten or 15,000. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even 1963 as a production run, it's not that rare. Going back to the Ferraris, you know, when there are two or three or four of them that were ever made, or even... A hundred, you know, they're going to make 200 of the Bugatti Chiron, whatever. Right. You know, that's actual rarity. But not, almost 2,000 of something, to me, isn't ultra rare. No, it's, not at all. It's, it's limited, but it's not ultra rare. And I did ask Porsche, are you guys sold out? You know, how, what are the allocations looking like? And the answer was, you know, it's a bit of a rolling thing. And so they're the not answer, sold out. Right. Because if they were sold out, they would say, yeah, we sold yeah. out I the think, day after we announced it. Yeah, if you want one. If you want one, you 1963 can get one. is a lot. I feel like yeah. a limited edition normally, and in the motorcycle world, it's usually like 400. Right. You know? Right. Um, and sometimes they'll make like 50. Yeah. In, uh, you know, if Lamborghini puts out a limited edition, they'll have like five. Yeah. Um, or the Rolls Royce. Sure. Wasn't there like a $30 million Rolls Royce that like Jay Z yes. got? A boat tail yes. or something? Yes. The, there's like the boat tail, the drop tail, right. the, and the other one. By the way, I brought <laughs> this also, I brought up with the Meekum guys because I'm like, you know, Hannah's always talking about the $60 million Ferraris uh -huh. and there's never a $60 million Cuda. Uh -huh. And they said, Oh, yeah, good. What'd they say? They said, True, but there are a lot of three or $4 million Cudas. And remember mm -hmm. that they made 100,000 of those. They made 200,000 of those. A good, that's a good argument, yeah. actually. So why are those ones in particular so expensive when there are so many? Well, there are different trim levels that make it like one of one or one okay. of three. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Are, were those af aftermarket or those are from no, no. the factory? factory? Factory trim levels. The factory, yeah. Okay. It's, the resto mods don't go for that much unless it's a right. singer, right? right. Unless right. it's... Uh, somebody who really knows what she or he is doing.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Let's talk about Tesla's. Mm -hmm. So there's recalls all the time. Every car maker has retails, recalls, and... Bloomberg goes crazy and flashes headline, and the stock will move on the day because investors have no idea that it's a common thing. But this Tesla recall, I think, is more interesting than the traditional, like, there's a screw loose on your right rear, you know, uh, yeah, brake caliper. Yeah, the steering wheel might come off at yeah. any moment in time. So this is what? The autopilot driving feature, which they've touted and pushed so much, I think they charge extra for it on certain cars as well. Yeah, and it's not even their, like, driver level two. It's not even exactly. their autonomous. It's you can't just take auto- your hands off yeah, the it's wheel. Not, it's not even, like, close to what Mercedes has done, for right. instance. Yeah. Um, but they've had to fix it because... Um, NHTSA has done a years-long investigation on whether they whether or not they've done enough to ensure the driver is paying attention. And mm-hmm. I guess NHTSA's decided they don't have they haven't done that. And now Tesla's doing this recall. But I think it's so cool because it's a huge recall, right? Isn't it? Two million. Two, two million, million cars. Two million cars. Okay. Yeah. I think Vehicles. it's so cool because usually a recall is a giant pain in the butt. For the consumer you, you and go to the for the dealer. manufacturer, because you have sure. to go to the dealer. This sure. is over the air. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I will, I will, a hundred percent give Tesla that. That's great. Can you imagine the pandemonium if people had to go down to the dealership? Well, and get, usually, what happens is oh. people don't do it. Right? I mean, LA would shut down because half of LA is Tesla. So right. we would, which would be kind of great because then traffic would be a lot better. Also, this but, is a recall that I don't want as a Tesla yeah. owner. Why yeah. do I want something that's going to make no. me pay attention more? It's going to ding more. You well, know, it's going to flash is, more. I guess there is there no consequence for not having your car uh, for not. Ex- I know you have to actually opt in, push the button on the screen that accepts the right. But the you update, have to have if, your fingers, your hands on the wheel. And if you take your hands off the wheel for too long, um, most systems realize that and will say, like, OK, autopilot is off. Now, I, I don't know specifically how it works in the Tesla, but what they want to do is like make it harder for you yes, to cheat the system. I understand that. I mean, in order to accept the software update for the recall, oh. you do have to actually push a button to accept and to initiate and accept the recall. Right. So if you don't do that, what's the what's If you don't the do that, then you can't uh, get any updates but, after that. Okay, without having so done that that. And eventually so it's they're like going to come it's out. It's like your cell phone. Right. So mm-hmm. exactly. It's mm-hmm. like a new yeah. iOS. Because I'm like many updates behind on my cell phone, All right. let's be honest. And you know that when you do the update, like your alarm won't go off. Oh, yeah. It ruins everything. Day. It ruins yeah. everything. That's why I haven't done it. Right. But yeah. you have to eventually because you yeah. want your camera to because, work better. And then or, emojis start looking weird. Exactly. And that bugs me. So, yeah. So this uh, recall, I think, is mildly interesting because of that but it is and i i will say just on that topic it's interesting because tesla makes such a big deal about this kind of technology and like the very thing that they always brag about is the thing that they're now having to adjust right so that's like because in the end you're right honestly it's not a big deal you just do the software update and then it's fine but it is kind of a big deal because they're this is like one of their main selling points about how amazing also i hesitate to by the way i hesitate to say anything bad about tesla's for two reasons. Number one, most importantly, I don't really know very much about Teslas. I haven't 
driven very many, mm-hmm. and I haven't definitely not spent time with um, really anybody who's, who's who's obsessed. So I don't know much. Well, about we it. should Tesla. If you're listening, send us some. Re- yeah, we really to. should. Yeah. Um, number two, uh, I hesitate to say anything because they're so passionate, right? The Tesla. Well, Roddy. I don't know if that's the word I would use. I would say you don't want to get doxxed. Right. I and don't you, want any of that and, to happen. And you don't want the cult members coming after you because you've um I have experienced some of that myself and it there is something primal of uh the Tesla enthusiast and I use that word generously where if you dare to say something critical about a Tesla yes. vehicle it's as if you've questioned their identity, their manhood, their very uh, intelligence as it's a really human. Weird. It's and the the response is visceral and way out of proportion to whatever perceived infraction yes. has has happened. And that to me is a bit weird. It is, I, I but that is how it is, which is why yes. I would otherwise I would say I think BMW has a much better self-driving system. But I'm not yeah. going to say that because they'll kill me. Yeah well, well, yeah, well, it's just you and me talking, so don't worry. <laughs> I was talking You're... to the CEO of uh, the North American CEO of BMW a couple of days uh-huh. ago, and he was like, yo, I take my hands off the wheel, right? The only yeah. thing I have to be doing is watching. Yeah, of course. Of course, that's level three. That they have BMW has that in Germany currently. Mercedes has it in the United States. I've driven it. I've used level three. It's wonderful. You can watch videos. It's fantastic. It's right? very relaxing. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, that's interesting. But I'm sure that Tesla. I, I just don't know no, enough about Tesla's systems because I'm sure you can cheat them as well. Otherwise, people yeah. wouldn't be able to sleep. Of course. And have horrible accidents. By the way, the NHTSA investigation is because of at least 50 accidents. Yeah, that I they mean, say or caused by autopilot. That's a little I'm, bit scary, right? I'm Do you shift into autopilot with no hesitation at all in other cars? Uh, I don't even use cruise control, if I'm honest. Okay. I, I, uh, but yes, when I'm forced to, if I'm in a press car and I need to actually try something or test something, I don't, I'm not worried. I'm not worried because I feel that you can override it. But I don't even like the nannies that keep you in your lane. Right. You I know, mean, I, they just, to me, it's actually less safe because when I need to make a quick move and I'm feeling resistance on the steering wheel or pre braking. It feels like you're out of control of the car, and that's not a good feeling. As a driver, I want to feel like I'm in control. I mean, I only time. use it on long autobahn drives. Yeah. I'll set it and forget it, and or if if I were doing a cross country drive in the U.S. But if I have my wife and kids in the car, I was in the Escalade V, and I had uh, my wife and baby in the back, and. Of course, it has super cruise, cruise. Super, super cruise. cruise. Yes, I, like I love it, but yeah, I, I said it, and my wife's like, "No, yeah. no, no, you." Don't. Oh, she doesn't want you. No, no. Oh, no. interesting. Not allowed. Well, I I remember um, I used Super Cruise last in the electric Hummer, and it made me miss my exit and get off because I was so relaxed that I just like I didn't get off the freeway, and yeah. it was, and I was like, oh, but it's for me, it's scary how quickly I get. Very relaxed using yeah. that stuff. I miss exits when I'm paying attention. <laughs> yeah, you know. Let's talk about the Ford Lightning oh, yeah. production cut because I think this is the most interesting story in a long time in the automotive sort of industry because it's just one more sign that there's not as much EV demand as we may have thought there was going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ford was going to lose three billion on EVs this year. Then they said they're going to lose four and a half billion on EV this EVs this year. The Lightning was you know their electric F150 
there were hundreds of thousands of reservations for it, right? Well, it's the best sale. F one fifty is the best selling car in but the United States. But you would States just would have thought, you know, when years. I heard they're going to cut production in half from thirty two hundred yes. a week to sixteen hundred a week, I thought, but surely there are people that are waiting like two years to get an F one fifty light. I don't. It doesn't. And honestly, to me, doesn't make sense. And then you know, I see the executive saying. We're not worried. We're just we're adjusting to output and demand. It it kind of doesn't make sense. I don't really believe them when they say this is this is just a natural adjustment and we're not worried, especially when Jim Farley has said he wants to focus on ICE and hybrids for the for trucks. Yeah. So, well, uh, so the hybrid let's read story, the, the look, writing looks, on the wall. Toyota looks so smart right now. I know, Everybody else I know. rushed to do EVs in a major, major crazy uh, way. And Toyota's like, now nah, we'll stick with our boring, boring honestly, Prius hybrids. I know. And I know I've been like very sort of hybrids are not the way in this in our podcasting relationship since day <laughs> one. But I admit, I do admit, I'm slowly kind of seeing, wow, I'm seeing, I'm, it's not like, I have an opinion either way, but what I'm observing is maybe hybrids are coming back around. I have an opinion. Yeah, <laughs> Hybrids are the way forward. It's so smack you in the face obvious. If you want to be green around town, you just leave it on the battery power only. And then when you're doing a real trip, there's no re- need for range anxiety because you have a motor. It makes total sense to me. Mm-hmm. But they're talk- heavy. They're heavy. They're heavy. I like a heavy car. I like a heavy oh. bike. There, are, There's a place in my life for light uh, vehicles. My neighbor has an M2. I love to cane it around the Bronx River. Mm-hmm. Um, park, great looking car. I kind of like way. them. They're cool. Yeah, they're all they're yeah. great. Yeah. But I like a big heavy cruiser. I like a, a land yacht that I can pilot. <laughs> I mean, I had a 911, but I also li- really enjoyed driving my my G Class for a while. Um, oh, we should discuss. I didn't. I had forgotten you had a G wagon. Yeah, it was awesome. What year and what color? It was the culmination of like forty years of uh, wanting. Yeah, that's uh, so cool. I got a twenty twenty G five hundred in emerald green. This was when you're in Berlin. Yes. So cool. That is Fantastic an icon. I, I, it's such vehicle. an icon. I could talk about that forever. It's so unapologetic. It's a diamond. I also think the color, emerald green, yeah, cool. shamarocked green. It's <laughs> so great because everybody thinks it's black until yeah. it's a very sunny day. Yeah. And then they realize. No, my point is hybrids are the way forward. I've been saying forever. Now I talked to Keith Naughton, our Ford reporter in uh, Detroit. He told me the time to turnaround or whatever, the, the metric that measures how long a car sits on a dealer's lot before oh, it sells. Sure. Uh-huh. In full EVs, it's 51 days. Oh. Regular cars, ICE engines, 43 days. Hybrids, 18. Oh, wow. Interesting. So they fly yeah, off that's, the lot. That's, that's telling. It's better than the housing market right now. Yeah. Well, there <laughs> are selling. some for sale, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and a lot of them obviously are like Toyotas. If you yeah. want a RAV4 hybrid, yeah. you're, you're going to have to look. Here's a question for you that just came into my mind. Um now I did listen to your interview with the head of BMW, and I, he, you know, he's saying they're not slowing down on anything. You know, the i7, all of their i cars are full speed ahead. They're not adjusting anything. Yep. So my question to you is: Do you think there is going to be a divide between luxury and premium EVs and mass market EVs? Well, one of the points that Keith made to me when I was talking to him about EV demand is it's not. Because people necessarily don't want EVs. Yeah. They, they do. Um, some people want EVs. There are compromises to oh, be made. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. You, 
obviously need to figure out if you're going on a trip where the charging ports are. If you keep it at home, you're going to want to install something. It's inconvenient. It's inconvenient. So you're willing to do that, but you're not willing to do the inconvenient thing and pay $85,000 for a family truck. It's really a bridge too far. The thing about VMW that I think is interesting is um, the iX, which is their $80,000 plus uh, EV SUV, I don't. That's not flying off uh, lots. No, and I kind of liked it when I drove it. Right, I love it. Yeah, but it's too it's expensive. Great. I know. I, it's, it's great. I think I even said it's that. Too, it's, meanwhile, yeah. the i4, which yeah. is considerably uh, more affordable, that's flying off lots. Yeah. So the cool thing about the BMW picture is they're selling sedans, even mm-hmm. the EV sedans, mm-hmm. more than they are selling SUVs. In the last quarter, they had growth in the car segment, and they had a ten percent drop in the SUV segment. Which is so That's telling. That's backward. That's very backward. Exactly. Um, BMW has the coolest electric um, sedans. They have the i4, now the yeah. i5, they I have seven. the i7, which is Big a fan. beast. Um, and We need a new Some of them I are not attractive, eight. though. The i7 and the iX, I think, uh, are you know, horribly... I, I'm going to stand with my i7 looks okay in certain colors. I don't like the squinty eyes at all. Don't like oh, it. They did it right on the X7, thing. not yeah. on the i7. I do kind of like where the girl's going because I feel like it's going more into a bow tie shape. Yes. Like less beaver tooth, more bow tie. That's correct. The kidney grill hasn't been around for years. Let's just be honest. Now it's like a sort of a cutesy bow tie, which. Right. Hey. But even if it's a kidney, the kidneys should be horizontal, <laughs> not vertical. You know? <laughs> hey. You know, that's actually authentic. If you look at old, old, old BMWs, they had big vertical. Really? Yes. Start to look. I got to I I look know it up. that. I the, did old, not. the oldest BMWs have ver- big vertical grills that you can see um, the, the lineage here. There is a connection. All right. Let's talk about Chris Bryant's opinion piece, um, yeah. which is really a story of a Chinese billionaire um, who started Geely and now has collected a ton of brands some of which he wants to bring to market, even here in the U.S., um, not in terms of just selling the vehicles, but also listing a stock. Um, and he's finding a lack of investor interest, let's say, or less investor interest than he may have expected. Yeah. I was shocked by the amount of brands that Geely owns. I knew that they were, I knew that they own Volvo. Sure. Which includes Polestar. Which includes Polestar because yep. Volvo owns like half of that. Yep. I knew that they had a minority stake in, in Daimler, in Mercedes. And Mercedes and Aston Martin. And they own Smart. Yeah. So I guess they. I, yeah, I guess some, because I must of Daimler. Yeah. Could, that would make sense. Yeah, they must have bought it when they when they got that. And then they have all those Chinese brands that I, we don't Plus, even know the names. Like one's called Fleeker or yeah. something. Zeker. Yeah. Zeker. Yeah. I think it is. They also own the Lotus brand. I think I knew that, but I forgot. I never think about it. Well, you know, I never think about the it. The Lotus brand has been owned by in Asia. Everybody. Yeah, by a lot of people, but it's been in Asia for a while, I think. I thought it was Malaysian, but now, so, uh, so now the Julie point owns is, it. This is a lot. This is a lot. I mean, I, it does feel like they are going for a Volkswagen in terms of owning a very wide portfolio of brands. Yes. You know, is this world domination attempt? I mean, it seems like they're trying that, but um, I'm not sure if any of those brands really, <laughs> really goes for it. So... Volvo, for example, I'm I've always been a lover of Volvo's. Love, love it. Yeah. My my first car was a 240 wagon in baby blue. You know. Oh, that's so cool. We called it the blue Swede because is we that lacked some, any kind of originality or creativity. Is that what your parents got you because it was very very safe? You know, that it was like a high school. Well, car. that's what my parents got. 
Okay. That's what my Period. mom got in 1984. <laughs> and then when I started to drive in, I don't know, 1990. Oh, you inherited. Yeah. So I, that. I inherited that one and then my brothers got it. We put 250,000 miles on that. Wow. But my parents have always had Volvos, both yeah. of them. And yeah. so I've grown up with the brand. Lately, they've been doing some things that are annoying. Like, so they capped the speed, their car, none of their cars are going to go more than 100 and I think 30 kilometers per hour. I did not hear about that. That was an announcement like two what? or three years ago. And I was talking to oh. Hakan Samuels and the CEO about it. I was like, dude, do you not want to sell cars in Germany? Yeah. And he yeah. said, basically, they're the adults in the room is what they want to prove. <laughs> you know? Well, let's be honest. There are many portions of the Autobahn where you actually can't go fast. True. Those cameras are horrible. And it's worse than American highways where if you just think you're lucky, you're not going to get pulled over. True. It seems so unsporting. There are ways around what? it. But yes, you're I mean, right. I, so you're one of those guys that I always see like going, you know, you're you have to go a certain speed between the cameras. Right. But so I will do that. But then sometimes I do see people that are clearly going far faster than me. Yeah. And I'm like, do they just not care about getting tickets or do they have a secret that I don't know about? There are some ways to deal with those cameras and oh. there are hmm. some ways to deal with German tickets. Hmm. OK, well, maybe I can't I can't wait to hear more. Supra legal, let's uh -huh. say, or uh -huh. maybe sublegal. Anyway, spirit um, of the law. I just thought it was a bad idea that Volvo did that. And now yeah. they've got these, you know. Two liter four cylinders in their hybrids, which are super boring motors in any car, even in not a hybrid. Um, but Volvo but, never cared about being boring. That is one thing we true. could say. And about they have amazing design. Like yeah, they the 240 do. was, I loved it. I know. And the XC90 that we have now, beautiful. And there is the car with the most miles on it in the world is a Volvo. I didn't know that. Oh, it was owned by uh, Irv Gordon. Is this he was a teacher and he drove this Volvo back and forth to school for his entire career, and he would drive it all over the country. And his car ended up having over a million miles on it. It's like it sets the record. I think it might have up to three million miles. They're on. awesome. I just don't yeah. feel like they're fully going for it. Uh, you know, the the in car technology isn't quite there. Polestar mm -hmm. is another one where I feel like they had a great chance. They had an amazing first vehicle. I know, vehicle. I know. I was so excited. Yeah. So excited. And I, it's completely... It's underwhelming, I think. Yes. If the, you, I mean, I'm waiting. I'm like, guys, what is taking so long? I feel it, like they want to be an Audi of EVs, but they're just the, not... It's, they're way too slow and... And Lotus hasn't done anything No, Lotus hasn't done anything. Interesting. And, I mean, no. Yeah. It, it's really a shame. It's a We're still brand waiting. that... I feel like they had a chance to really... Take off, and there are some people obviously that love Lotuses, and there's some amazing Lotuses. And I'm sure they're super fun there to drive the little Lotuses. lightweight, being sure. of lightweight cars, right? Yeah. Um, but they had such a massive opportunity after James Bond drove one, and then Jason Alexander drove one in Pretty Woman. Um, and I think and Julia Esprit, Roberts said, "Let's turns be like it's honest." On rails. Exactly. So, I mean, I've driven some of the old ones. There, I've driven some of the new ones. They drive great. I mean, they drive very elementary, rudimentary. But that can be really fun. And there's such heritage. Like, they have the thing that all of these new brands won't have for another 50 to 75 years, which is heritage and history and yep. story. True. Colin Chapman. Exactly. Uh, I, I, uh, then, apparently, Geely has a brand in China that's top of the line, like Zeker. Okay. Zeker that's okay. I need to... Supposedly, at least aspirational, if not luxurious. Now, I was reading the story that Chris wrote, and I thought, mm, they'll never sell Chinese EVs over here. Oh, I bet this they market. will. I realize they already do. Polestars no. that sell here are made in China. Oh, well, some, some there we them. go.
Okay. Yeah. Anyway, great story. Check it out if you uh, have a chance on Bloomberg.com or if you're a Bloomberg client, just bio Chris Bryant for that. Um, that's all we have time for today. But what, it's are you, awesome. what are you doing this weekend, Matt? Um, being a dad again. Yeah, that's good. Uh, for another weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm preparing for Christmas, you know. Oh, so you're gonna have an American Christmas, aren't it's you? My daughter's year. first uh, American Christmas because we usually spend it in Spain, and it's the first time that she's also like conscious. She's three, going on oh, fifteen. It's the perfect age. And so I am going. My wife is getting her like an easel and an apron, right? But I am, unbeknownst to my wife, just going to go all out and spoil the hell out I of love her. it. I I'm love it. Going to get her like an electric Ducati that she can ride around the driveway, you know? Good. Start them young. Um, not going to get her the little Bugatti, but that's very cool. It's like How much grand. does that cost? I was going to say, it's the yeah. price of a normal car, really. Yeah. It's yeah. very much fun, though, yeah. to drive. Even for me. You can catch us again, same time, same place next week. You can follow me if you like on Instagram at MattMiller1973. And you can follow me on Instagram at Hannah Elliott XO. That's Hannah with an H on the end and Elliott with two L's and two T's. Thanks for listening. I'm Matt Miller. I'm Hannah Elliott. And this is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.